Welcome back to Soulback. This is the R&B podcast. Kyle here from Asia right now, recording live. I've got Tom and Ed with me on the other side of the world. What's going on, guys? Player, we are literally worldwide today. <laughs> That's good. So what's up, Kyle? Thanks for making time for us while you're out there eating alligator and chicken feet. Hey, man, alligator. I had to do what I had to do. Oh, my God. <laughs> 48 seconds in, and we have so much music to cover. But, um, you know, Halloween just passed, and, um, you know, a lot of cool things. Candy, of course. But did you guys see Beyonce's costume? She was dressed as Tony Braxton. I saw it, and I thought it was pretty awesome. I didn't really care. No, no, of course she didn't. <laughs> now, if Beyonce was dressed like Music Soul Child's first album cover. Imagine that. Maybe keep his pants on. <laughs> uh, did that actually? I think it actually like boosted uh, Tony Braxton's streaming numbers, if I remember correctly. That's what I read. I, I that's what I read. I'm not sure if it's true or if it's just Beehive standing as usual. But I mean, anything that'll hype up Tony is cool with me. Love me some Tony, and she did a reenactment of what I consider her best album. So I thought it was great. Seriously, no, are people people this dumb, though? Oh, my God, I just remembered Toni Braxton exists. Let me go listen to her music. Yes, people are that dumb. I can definitely tell you that. Even if you check out from – that's why artists are so happy to be on stuff like Unsung, because there's always a gigantic boost because there are so many fans. It's like – Oh crap! I forgot about breathe again. And remember that song? How many ways? And oh, you're making me. High. Oh, I'm gonna tear up iTunes. That's bad. Yeah, this we is actually true. But the guys, um, we we also saw a couple of photos from Ed. You were doing your own photo shoot. She dressed up like Usher in one picture. Yes, player. See, Beyonce did her thing, but you have to see what your boy did. Go check out my Twitter. It's Edward Bowser, one word. And see what I did. I had I went through the eighties, the nineties and two thousands, so I had Rick James, I had Usher's My Way album, and then I did the Outcast Stankonia album. Beyonce ain't got nothing on your boy. Wow. <laughs> man man, I'm over here fighting tooth and nail to keep R and B alive and you're over there doing Instagram photo shoots. Not cool, man. <sighs> it's gonna be one of those podcasts, Kyle. I can smell it. <laughs> Well, let's let's keep Tom happy here. Halloween just passed. Candy for everyone. Uh, I'm gonna go on record and say, and this might piss you guys off and piss the people off on this, you know, that's listening right now. But Snickers is the best candy bar. I'm just gonna put it out there right now. Who's gonna be pissed off about that? That's the truth. What? You guys have must have <laughs> never tried Butterfinger. Uh, Butterfinger is good. I would. It's top five. I don't know if I put it number one. It gets all in your teeth. I mean, is Twix considered a candy bar? Mm, that's pushing it. Like, what do you put Kinda that like in? What, what category is that? It's like when people try to make Rihanna R&B. It's kind of like, uh, So what do you call it then? What are you calling it's, that? It's a wafer. It's chocolate <laughs> wafer. That's what it is. <laughs> All right, so it's the number one wafer. We'll give it yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's the number one wafer. 
isn't Kit Kat the superior wafer? No. Number two wafer. No, you need the caramel. It puts over the top. Uh, you got uh, all right. Let's uh, let's focus on R and B then, since we're not going to agree on Snickers being the best. Tom, do we? Ag- um, I agree with you, player. <laughs> but do we agree on anything right. here? This is not a show. All right, let's talk about some R and B here, Tom. I want you to talk about this project first, because guys, for as long as I've known Tom, he's loved this woman. Uh, she goes by the name of A Marie, who I think mm. is still one of the best-looking females in the game. But Tom has been uh-huh. waiting since 2009 <clears throat> for this album. Uh, Amory dropped a two-part EP, 4AM and... What was the other one called, Tom? 4AM? Mulholland. Mulholland 4AM and after 4AM. Mm. So... Uh, uh, I know Ed you want me to like, speak on it? Uh, yeah, I mean, Ed like compared it to like a Transformers soundtrack, but Tom, you can speak on it first. I don't even know what that means, but uh, <laughs> uh, we were happy that she came back with this surprise project. We thought she might never record again based on her comments, but uh, uh, it was a total mixed review. A lot of comments I read did not like this project. I'd rather hold my thoughts back. Uh, based on what she's put out in recent years, like random songs, it was kind of expected, this newer sound, but Ed, you want to chime in? You know I want to chime in. Listen, players. If you are a longtime reader of Soul and Stereo, you know that A. Marie is one of my, really, really one of my all-time favorite artists, definitely in the past 10 or 15 years, but definitely one of my favorites of all time. So I was greatly looking forward to this project. And I know a lot of fans really had checked out on her pretty much by 2009, even maybe before that. And like you said, we were kind of familiar with, the direction her music was going. So it wasn't that much of a surprise. <sighs> However, dog, these two EPs were a mess. And they weren't a mess for the reasons that a lot of fans are saying, because a lot of people I've encountered are saying, oh, well, she was wrong to release this. We want that pop stuff. We want that one thing we want. And as I've talked about a million times, I don't want artists to keep reinventing the wheel. Just we've done, we've had one thing. It's fine. It's fine to progress to a new sound. And I wasn't mad at her going with this kind of darker sound. I was reading an interview where she always considered herself kind of a darker artist, but her music was just always kind of presented as very upbeat. And she always kind of considered herself kind of, you know, a little bit more of an edge. So I wasn't mad at that. What I was mad about with this project is the unnecessary use of the auto-tune. Because if you take out the auto-tune, and I'm mixing up the two albums. It's been a while since I've listened to the two EPs. One, I actually thought, and it might have been the Mahullet one, I thought was very promising because the beats were very different and very murky, but she sounded pretty good on them, and the production was solid. But it was just the auto-tune just totally made her sound like not even her. And that's where Kyle says that I said she was sounding like a go-bot, and she was. But if she had just done A. Marie over this production, I probably would have liked it. But it was an unnecessary auto-tune that just jacked it up for me. So I thought it was promising. I wasn't mad at the direction. 
But all the execution, hot mess. You know what, guys? I, and I talked to Tom about this yesterday, but with her as well as Mario, both of them were gone for nearly a decade. They came back, and it's really interesting because when you're gone for that long, you're sort of allowed to reinvent yourself without anyone really noticing, and that's what I think both of them did. They came back with a much more darker sound, and it might not have necessarily connected with all of the um, R&B fans, but I think it was pretty cool that they went out and they tried something different. And to me, both artists came across as genuine in their attempt to make something different. Um, Unfortunately, at least for Amory, because I did like some of Mario's album, Amory, it just didn't connect with me. But, Tom, I know you did like one record on there. Uh, Curious, I think it's called? Yeah, that was the first song in the first EP. <clears throat> I tried to like the project, man, but if you just put this music in front of me and didn't tell me who the artist was, like Ed, like Ed said, I would have had no idea this was Amory. It just wasn't Amory music. It wasn't what I was expecting or looking for. And I'm one of her biggest fans, so that's disappointing. Well... Shout-outs to Amory. Uh, I'm going to say she has she's top three for best legs in the game. Ed, do you want to oh. disagree with that? <laughs> Play a focus. But, um, oh, yeah, okay. she's probably number one, dog. But focus. Ed, uh, I don't think we even got a chance to say happy birthday to you uh, since the last podcast. Yes, it's been a minute. Everything has gone down. I had a birthday. Amory dropped an album. I was sad. Then... My other boy dropped an album, and so it's been a very interesting birthday season for your boy. All my faves are doing weird stuff. Your other boy? You mean your your king, your god yes. himself, Mister Pete Sweat? Oh, who you interviewed? Yes, who I interviewed, and uh, he was just waking up, and he kicked <laughs> into gear at the second half. But man. But um, Tom actually gave us a sneak peek of some of the better songs off his new album. Tom, what were the two songs? Eeny, Meeny, Miney, what was one of them? (laughs) (laughs) Some song with Teddy Riley and Tank. Oh, my God. And and the the king is back, guys. Real R&B is back. Why do I? Why... Hold on, I'm trying to Google Barry's number because I need to get my man <laughs> Barry Bars up here. <laughs> you two are driving me nuts. I knew Ed, 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 calm down. Before you get into the good stuff, let's dig deep into these two songs because I'd like to see how you're able to defend what he made with these two records, especially with that Eeny, Meeny, Miny, Mo record. Man, what on earth was your boy doing? Player, I, listen, and it comes to my man Keith. If he asked me to, I would probably punch both of you in the face and be like, "Oh, sorry, <laughs> he told me to do it." But, however, I am still an unbiased reviewer, and I have to go on record and say, Keith, I love you. I love you. I love that close. I love Silk. But the Eeny Meeny Miny Mo might be the worst Keith Sweat song ever recorded. It's that horrible. So your boy ain't defending Ouch. that, nor will your boy defend that Who's Your Daddy song where he and Tank and Teddy sound like three old geezers at the club praying on 19 <laughs> It's awful. 
again, and we'll talk about the project at length in a second, but am I cool with an artist evolving? Yes. I talked about it. We talked about it in the in the um, interview with Keith, and I talked about it in my album review as well. I'm all for evolution, but it has to make sense. You have to play your lane. You can't step too far out of your lane and forget that you're push that you're in your fifties, pushing sixty. I, if I said it about Usher, I got to say it about Keith. You know what? Though I had a revelation, guys. You're gonna you're gonna be surprised to hear this, but. I feel like since everyone is doing it now, it's not even it's not even like you can say anything bad anymore. Every nineties artist is doing it no. now. So it's like oh, all agree. we need is all we need is Joe to make a trap record and then officially all these older artists have flipped and then what can we even say anymore? It's just a thing. Well, I yep. one of someone um I can't remember if it was on Twitter or if they left a message on my post or somewhere. There was a fan who reached out to me and basically said that. They were like you know, you give these artists a hard time, but at this point, everybody's doing it. Trap is like the prevailing sound. It's not even a genre anymore. It's become the sound. So you can't get mad at the sound. And again, like I keep saying, and we'll go into this in detail in a second, I'm not mad at the sound. I'm mad at the execution of the sound. Same with yes. Amory's album. I ain't mad with the production. I'm mad at you sounding like Megatron. I ain't mad at Keith trap using trap beats. I'm mad when he's sounding like Tiger on a song. So that's the problem. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure um, uh, Johnny Gill was rolling over in his grave when uh, Keith Sweat was skirt skirting on that <laughs> song too. Oh my God, Johnny Gill. You know how many messages I got about that skirt skirt. Oh, what a heartbreaking <laughs> week. <laughs> um, Tom, and then I know you did some research on this Who's Your Daddy song because you were trying to figure out if Tank was actually on that record or the history behind it. Can you start speculating? Because I want to hear this weird theory. No, that, that was the other Tank song with, with Teddy uh, Riley. That was on the case He's album. talking about the case record, not this. Oh. This was definitely Tank. I'm fine with just grazing over the rest of the Keith Sweat album, though, and moving on, if that's cool, though. Actually, no, we are not doing that, because we ain't getting my man out to dry. Because here's my thing about the album. A lot of people were like, oh, Ed, you're biased. Your review was too high for this album. It was trash. No, no, no. See, that's why I can tell if you're reading the reviews or if you're just skimming through them, because I explain why. The problem with this record, playing for Keith's, there are two very terrible songs that we have already discussed. But then there are three or four classic, classic Keith songs. In fact, if you listen to the album, it's like he intentionally did like a regular Keith record, a trap record, regular Keith trap, regular Keith trap. He just alternated. When he did his stuff, it was some of the best songs he's put out in a long time. That Reg Negligee song, whoo, that Bay Bay song, tremendous. But... Then it's mixed in with some of these kind of trap songs. And again, the trap songs aren't horrible, besides the two we mentioned. They just are okay. So Keith is singing Keith over trap beats, and it's it doesn't really hit your ear right. By the end of the song, you're kind of like, oh, okay, I get it. So it, I see the experimentation just didn't work right. So the album overall is a mixed bag. But it's not nearly as bad as Usher's, and it's not as bad as A. Marie's. 
Well, there you have it. Shout out to Keith Sweat for putting out yet another album. Um, I looked at YouTube, and I'm going to make you guys take a guess on this. Guess which song on the album has the most YouTube views right now, aside from the single? Which one? I know Eeny, Eeny, Marty, I Mo, And I don't know why. <laughs> well, I know why. It's because when those songs are created on playlists, that's the first song. Like, if you... Whenever you look at a playlist of a song or sometimes sometimes when artists, for instance, share their albums with us in advance and you look at, like, the plays, the first song, no matter what it is, always has, like, triple the plays of anything else. Yeah. You hit play on that first or you accidentally hit it, that one always gets the first play. So that's not a big shot. Well, yeah, actually, isn't that dangerous? Isn't... Go ahead, yeah. Tom. I was going to say pretty much everyone tuned out right after that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! No, no, okay. Well, here's the my second thing. song is the best song. Calm down. Here's my thing, though. I don't know what Keith is like with you know analytics on social media, but if he's doing his research and he's looking at the numbers, we might have any, meeny, miny, mo as the next single, guys. If we're just looking at views, he's thinking, "Oh wow, the people are gravitating towards this record." I mean, he might, but I wouldn't hope he'd be that dumb to just look at that <laughs> number. I mean, there's there's more that goes into it than just, like, the numbers behind it, especially with an artist like that. I mean, if this is Doja Cat or some, like, meme YouTuber, then I can see that that being a driving force. I would seriously doubt that Keith would throw that and try to get that mess on Urban AC. He better get that baby or that reg negligee or something else that his fans will actually gravitate toward. That's the weird thing with this. I understand the mentality of trying to stay fresh and current, but it is frustrating because you know, especially at Keith, who your core audience is. And your core audience is too old to be turning up like that. They'll turn up a little bit, but auntie ain't twerking that hard. So you just got to kind of remember that. So I don't see how a eeny, meeny, miny, mo even made his way to the album. Well, if you hear it at a local radio station, you can blame Ed for streaming it a million times. Now, let's talk about Rings of <laughs> new album, Decade of a Love King. I know you guys both really like that album. Tom, can you tell me about the album a little bit? You went to his listening party. Man, I was the thing I took away from the album and his listening party is he's continuing to stay motivated when making music. It, when he makes an album, it doesn't sound like he sleptwalked through it like most of the albums we're hearing these days, which is a positive, mm-hmm. and that's what you get. You got some different sounds on there. He tried some different things, but you still have that, you know, signature Raheem sound. So that's how I felt about it. What did you think, Ed? I totally agree. Totally agree. And we were just talking about two artists that we love that just kind of drifted away from their signature sounds for, for one reason or another. But Raheem gave you a Raheem album, and it really, really works. And I feel like this is one of his better albums since, maybe since Loveland. It's been a while. I mean, not that he ever comes out with inferior products, but this one really, really stood out to me. And it may have just been a good palate cleanser since I've had so much auto-tune on my freaking plate. But... I really liked it. It's a Raheem album, and he's just a genuinely nice guy anyway, so he's one of those dudes you're happy to see win. 
And I'll tell you what, guys, <clears throat> there's a song on the uh, on the album. I think it's called When It's Real. It's the last song. Mm-hmm. Man, you don't hear R&B songs like that anymore that have so much feeling and love in it. I even sent him a DM last night, and he responded. I just let him know, thank you for making songs like that. The song made me want to go home immediately and hug my wife. It's that That's the type of feeling. Who's making songs like that anymore? Oh, wow. Well, play it, and that's a great point. And I, I was watching, and you're going to blow me up for this. So last night I was watching Empire. I'm probably one of the last dudes on earth to still watch that crappy show. But on the show, as Kyle knows, Mario is one of the artists. And there was a scene where, Mar- I don't know what Mario's name is on the show, I can't remember. But Mario was talking to Lucius, and Mario's singing his new song, and Lucius like, this is trash. Mario's like, what? No, the song is great. And he says something that I feel like is very telling in R&B right now. He's like, you're singing it perfect but there's no soul, there's no emotion into what you're singing. Mm. So Mario just starts singing it again, but he's just singing it louder. And he's like, you can sing it as loud as you want, but it's still missing the passion and the soul. And that, to me, is what a Raheem Devon has and a whole lot of these records. And not just talking about these newer artists. I'm talking about old heads, too. That's why their projects are just so okay, and that's really the difference between a 3.5 album and a 4.5 album because there is just a soul, a passion, a drive that's missing in the music, and that's why everything just, eh, it's technically good, but eh, you forget yeah. about it immediately because it doesn't speak to you. Raheem knows what he's doing. Right. Well, shout out to Raheem Devon. Uh, you know, great dude, keeps it consistent. And speaking of consistency, uh, her, my girl Gabby Wilson, dropped an EP, yet another EP. Uh, she dropped it yesterday. This is the second part to her I Used to Know Her segment. Uh, Ed, I know you're already over there complaining about her still not dropping an album, but uh, have yep. you guys had a chance to listen to the EP yet? Mm-hmm. I've heard the EP. I actually liked it better than the first version. This one's very acoustic, and I thought that really – kind of set it apart, that it sounds different. The problem with her, and we've talked about this before, is that at this point, she's dropping so much material <clears throat> that it's like it's like every three months she's got something new. And it's all starting to run together. And I feel like she's burning herself out before we ever get this magical EP. And by the time it comes, nobody's going to be there to listen or to be there to kind of ride with it because we've kind of burnt out on her so what we need is something different something fresh and this one is slightly different so for me i want my girl either to go away for an extended period of time or either give her something completely different her fans will love it i like quite a few songs on this one but it's starting to get overkill player you know what I agree with you, actually, on that, Ed, but it was interesting, like you said, this EP is a little different sonically than her last couple. It's a little more acoustic, which, Tom, it goes towards, the you know, that's the Gabby Wilson sound, right, with the guitar and the live singing. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of her previous music was more of that, like, moody, trap soul type music. Yep. Tom, do you, do you see the youth gravitating towards it? I mean, she's built up a fan base at this point, but now she's switching it up. Do you think that's a smart move? Uh, it's, it's so hard to call it, man, because anything is possible when you have a label involved in money. I mean, we saw what happened with LMA. 
who, if she put that record out as an independent artist, would have never caught, you know, anyone's attention, unfortunately. It's just the nature of it. So people making good music, it's so hard to say. But when you have a label involved, you never know. I mean, good music speaks for itself. So we'll just have to see. It's, it's, but if that, I just hope that's what she wants to be making. At least she's not performing behind a bed sheet anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's not <laughs> behind a bed sheet wearing a mankind mask. <laughs> oh man um, she's actually going to be headlining her own tour uh, with Tone Stiff opening up for her uh, I know some of the people on your site for Ed were uh, really excited about that tour so if you haven't go get tickets to that her puts on a great show and I think Tone does as well from my understanding so that will hey, be Kyle, good uh, let me ask you a question uh, Kyle is there any chance this Bryson Taylor single could take her over the top you know, I'm actually surprised it was even chosen as a single. It's weird. Hers um, single releases and the, and the strategy behind it has been weird because, like, she just released that as a single and she's already put out a second part to that EP. Mm-hmm. Just like how she already put out, like, three EPs and then Focus became a single. So I'm not really sure what she's or what the team's doing, but I don't think that single is going to take her over the top. It's not going to be, like, a boot up type of record i think it's just another song in the catalog for her got it yeah um i got a couple more records here and this one you know it's been a struggle to get tom to listen to new music guys i'll be honest with you every time i try to get him to listen to something he just says well it doesn't sound like the 90s i'm not going to listen so and i had to do a little bit of i had to do a little bit of uh jedi mind tricks to get him to listen to this new mariah song you know what i told him <laughs> what'd you tell him I told him that Little C's was featured on the song, and Tom went nuts. (laughs) I did not go nuts. Little C's? Come on. Well, first of all, there will be no Caesar Leo (laughs) trashing on this podcast. That is my man. Love me some Caesar Lee. (laughs) But this new Mariah song, A No No, off the new album, Caution, um, it samples a Little C's and Biggie song, and Little Kim, Crush On You. Tom, you love the original. Yeah, the original is a classic. I just, I, I think I saw someone comment somewhere that said, why are these artists just ripping off, or producers ripping off the exact sample? Why can't they get more creative with it? I don't think that takes away necessarily from the song being good or not, but it is a valid point. What do you think, Kyle? Um, I mean, it, it's sort of like, you know what it reminds me of? I mean, that record reminds me of... Um, pretty much like Ariana Grande's first album. I mean, it used the same sample, but I think if the sample is used effectively, I really don't have a complaint with it being used. I mean, even going back to the Tamiya record, So Into You, that sample was the Commodores, and that beat was exactly the same. So I don't really have any complaints with it. The song itself, I think, is cool. Um, it kind of reminds me of that like mid-2000 Mariah that uh, we're all used to by now. And a lot of the records that she's put out have been like that. So I'm excited for this project. I think it's going to be a solid release. Ed, what do you think? Well, first of all, going to the samples, I think the complaint about that is silly because that's what Mariah has always done. Like when she had The Roots, that was the Mob Deep song, not tamper with it all. Well, I mean, it had a little bit of elements added to it to make it less gritty, but... That's just kind of what Mariah has always done. That's in her wheelhouse. So for her to take that sample, that's just going back to old school 90s Mariah. So it's 
you know, it's her sound. I'm not mad at it at all. I really liked it because we, as you know, I've been critical of her earlier singles that she's dropped. This one, as we were saying earlier, sounds like Mariah, but also sounds a little current. So not only is it something that's in her wheelhouse and from her toolkit, but it sounds a little updated. So to me, this is stuff that I love, and it's by far the best single of hers I heard. Now, of course, Crush on You is one of my favorite songs of all time, like literally probably top five R&B song, not R&B song, hip-hop song in my personal collection. So there's probably a little bit of that going on too, but I love it, I love it, I love it. Best thing she's done in a long time, player. And then she also had that other record. Uh, I don't think we mentioned it on our last podcast. She had a record out um, called uh, Distance with Ty Dolla. That was pretty good, too, I found. That was a little progressive and different for her, but I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of samples, guys, uh, there was another record that dropped actually just yesterday, I guess. Trey Songs is back. VA's finest shooting shots with Jeremiah, or I'm sorry, not Jeremiah, Tory Lanez and Ty Dolla. I get them all confused, but Tory Lanez and Ty Dolla and Jeremiah, I swear on, I swear are on every R&B song uh, at this point. Player, I just rolled up before we got on the podcast. I um, just published a review, and it had um, the Vince Staples review, and he had a song with Ty Dolla Sign. I'm like, every time I review an album this year, freaking Ty Dolla Sign is on it. What is going on? <laughs> um, but Tom, the record sample is one of your favorite Timbaland beats of all time, Can We by SWV. <laughs> That's a great production. I haven't listened to the new single yet. Based on the title, I'm not sure I'd want to. You've got me mildly interested <laughs> in checking it out now, but, oh, man, Trey. Well, Jedi Mind Trick works again. <laughs> yep. <laughs> But guys, don't you guys feel old that some of your favorite classics are now being sampled into this new era of R&B? Are you guys starting to feel yes. a little old? Oh, yes, player. I, and I've told this story before. The moment where I knew that I was old was I was in a, either a grocery store or Walgreens or something like that. And they were playing Tamiya and they were playing Kelly Price. And I'm like, why are they playing songs from my college years in the freaking grocery store? This means I am officially old. <laughs> when your favorites are elevator music, it's time yep. to wrap it up. <laughs> mhm. You know what, guys? It's interesting. I, I listened to this Trey record, and it was just okay. It kind of felt like he was trying to do something a little more trendy, which is kind of weird because just a couple of years ago, I mean, I mean, a couple now, I guess, dates back to like six to eight years ago, he was putting out hits even though all the songs kind of sounded the same. I'm talking about like the dive-ins and the love faces and the neighbors know my name. They all follow the same formula, but it seems like now he has to uh, chase trends because the landscape of R&B has changed. What do we expect from Trey at this point? Mm, It's hard to say. I have really enjoyed his last project, which felt a little bit more mature. And it was, it's kind of, kind of a, kind of a, maturation, I'll say, of his sound. There were no say or no goofiness like that. This Trey is getting up there, too. I mean, he's not Usher's age, but he's maturing. How long can you be in the club pouring liquor down girls' faces? 
Well, I guess <laughs> Keith and Teddy Riley and them are still are. But anyway, so <laughs> the point is I liked where he was going, but it didn't connect. And we talked about how hard it is for these artists of the Trey's and the Mario's and the Neo's who were young in the early 2000s, mid to late 2000s, and now here going near, we're wrapping up the 2010s, they're kind of finding it hard to find their voice because they still have an audience, but they're getting a little too old for the stuff that they came up on, but they're not quite, you know, Urban AC, Keith Sweat, Reg Negligee level yet. So they're in this weird middle ground, and it's really hard for them to kind of find their voice. I would like more stuff like Tremaine, but I don't know, honestly, if that's going to resonate. The, re- the last album, and Kyle, you might know better than me, I'm not sure how well that performed, but it certainly isn't talked about much today. Yeah, I was nope, just you're uh, absolutely you hit, right. You hit the nail on the head, Ed. I was just thinking the same thing. I feel like he's going to have the same struggle as Usher in terms of trying to remain popular and relevant and <clears throat> avoiding urban AC. So it might be a struggle. He's 30. He could be 34 this year. So it's going to be tough. Well, hopefully Trey gets it together. Um, if not, he'll just be shooting shots on the charts. Uh, no, let's talk no. about shooting, D'Angelo. Shooting, let's shooting about blanks, him. maybe. <laughs> oh, no. <calm> <laughs> uh, can we talk about D'Angelo's new song? Um, Ed considers him a Hall of Famer. We haven't forgot about the Soulback Hall of Fame yet. Uh, Tom, introduce us to this D'Angelo record. Well, it came out of nowhere, and it's made for a video game about cowboys. That's all I know. Oh, my gosh. Listen to this guy, all the hours of research he went in for that statement. (laughs) Anyway, what happened is this song is part of the soundtrack for Red Dead Redemption 2, which is a game I really want, but I'm an old Busy man now, and being an adult sucks, so I don't get to play it. Anyway, so the song, because it's set for that, it's Western-themed, and I think for what it is, it's pretty good. I know Kyle was, Tom was over there retching because it didn't sound like brown sugar, but good Lord, he's riding horses and stuff. He can't make it sound like that. <laughs> it's fine for what it is. <laughs> well... Kyle, can I can I revisit the can I revisit the case situation? We never got back to that. Oh boy! I was hoping you forgot. Come on, guys! This is the most interesting part of this podcast. So I was listening to the case's latest album, Therapy, which we actually all like. Mm -hmm. But I was listening closely to his collaboration with Tank and Teddy Riley, which I still haven't figured out how there's two collaborations at the same time that have Tank and Teddy Riley on it, along with Keith. But anyway, I was listening closely, and that that is not Tank on the song. That is oh not my Tank. Goodness. I've heard I've heard every single Tank song he's ever put out, unreleased songs, albums. That's not Tank. I will admit it sounded weird because I remember knowing that the song was that this song was coming up, and it had him on it. And I remember when I was listening to the album, I went back to the screen. I don't know if I was listening to it on Spotify or what. But I went back to whatever streaming service I was looking at on. I was like, this is Tank song? Because I, he didn't sound like himself. I'm not going to say it sounded like, I don't know, genuine or some other person, but it sounded a little off. I'll give you my speculation if anyone wants, if anyone cares to hear it. 
We don't, was but he, you're going to uh, give it in away. Tom, was he singing behind the bed sheets as well? No, no. There's a, I have three speculations on this one. Three? Number one, number one, it was Tank, but he was sick that day. Okay. So he couldn't really sing too well. Number two, he just they just came from the club. It was like 4 a.m. and they're like, let's do a song. They were both drunk and they're like, let's yeah. record a song. I definitely number th- feel that. <laughs> number three, uh, and this might be the most likely answer, that is not Tank. It was supposed to be Tank, but it actually ended up being one of Case's background singers. And they just called it Tank <laughs> because they didn't have enough time to re-record it. And they just credited it as Tank? Well, I guess it doesn't matter. Does Tank still get paid if his his fake doppelganger gets to sing it? Yep. Tank still got paid. And come on, no one even noticed the difference. Have you heard anyone else bring this up? Well, that's true. No one else has brought it up. But That's ridiculous that no one even notices. I think it's ridiculous well, guys, that you're drinking this heavily at 10 o'clock in the morning to come up with this. Drinking this? Come on. Go listen Man, to the song you, again, please. You got multiple choice theories? Oh, my goodness. <clears throat> Let's do a multiple choice answer of why Teddy Riley and Tank gave Case the better song than they did for Keith. Well, I can't even... Ugh, even I can't defend <laughs> that. <laughs> don't make Moving me go on. listen to this, Tom. Tom, don't make me go listen to this record and find out that Lonnie Burrell is actually singing Tank's part. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who it is. Oh my god! I think it's Tank. I just think it was option B. I think they had a long night at the club and he got with the guy. You know how that's most do. likely. You know how Tank is that. Those boys like to get out there. I'll buy and then that. suddenly, Keith, suddenly Keith Sweat stumbled into the studio and said, "Who's your daddy?" Oh my goodness! This all makes sense now. Listen, listen, Ed. I need to. I, I have a beef with you, real quick. I feel takes away Teddy Riley's legendary status. What? Yep. Come explain on. Explain yourself. First of all, get your hands up and then explain yourself. We expect a higher caliber from a legend than a song like that. No, I will not disagree with that. But does that mess with his legendary status? Absolutely not. Yep. I mean, it's debatable <laughs> at this point. Debatable, please. Let me go rest my head on his um, thousand stacks of gold and platinum plaques. I think he's good, dog. But I will not disagree. I can't argue with you. Some of them songs on that album made my soul cry. <laughs> I said, no, I said Teddy Riley, not Keith. I don't care about Keith. I'm talking oh, about I'm Teddy talking Riley. About Keith. I thought you said Keith. Uh, Teddy Riley. No, Teddy, come on now. Come on. <laughs> Man, I won't even dignify that. Guys, DJ Soulchild is about to kill both of you guys for this conversation, so we're going to keep it light, and we're going to talk about one of his favorite artists, Nao, who dropped that album, uh, new album, I think it's called Saturn. Ed, you listened to mm-hmm. it, right? I listened to it, and I absolutely love it. It's one of, it might be, I've only listened to it once. I didn't have time to review it, so I haven't had time to revisit it yet. But it's one of my favorite projects in recent memory. Her first album, I thought, was really good. It got a lot of buzz. I liked it. I didn't love it as much as everyone else seemed to. But I really like this one. I think this the concept gelled, and 
I really like what she did as far as presenting some of the themes. And it's been driving me crazy for the past couple of years who she sounds like, and it finally came to me on this album. She sounds like, Kyle, I don't know if you remember her, but she sounds like Billy Lawrence. That's who she reminds me of. That's my girl right there, Ed. I am shocked you I know who have, Billy Lawrence is. I have no idea who that is. Anyway, oh, my God. <laughs> Just Go to YouTube. You will be rewarded. Mid-90s R&B chick. Our listeners know. Listen, Ed. See what I'm surrounded listen, by. Ed. I don't have time to be listening to 90s R&B anymore. we got a new artist on the scene that Tom is really excited about, Lucky Day. Tom, can you tell us about this record by yeah, Lucky where the, Day? Where the heck did this artist come from? I have no idea. He signed to RCA, though, apparently. And I sent it to, like, six of my closest people who I trust their ear for music, including you two. And pretty much everyone agreed that it's actually a pretty dope song. It you know, is. And it has live instrumentation. Since when do you hear a new artist using that these days? That's what I'm excited about. So I'm curious to hear more from this guy. But, man, I, I this came out of nowhere. So it's cool, though. I think that's what really grabbed me, the instrumentation, because I don't know. It's something you don't expect, especially from, I mean, I don't know anything about dude, but because <clears> Tom <throat> just was like, hey, check this out. And I checked it out and I was like, hey, it's dope. But from an artist that isn't an established artist, if Joe came out with this song, I'd be like, oh, it's great. But, you know, it's Joe. It's, he has experience. I would expect that from him. But from what I assume is a younger artist, definitely an emerging artist, if not young in age, young in the industry, I really like what I heard. And I think that there is some definite promise there. Well, the record is called Roll Some More. Um, we got to find out who this artist is. I mean, I'm sure if we Wikipedia it, we can probably get some information. But everyone go check out that song by Lucky Day. Um, it's great. Can I give a quick quick shout-out to a project? Yep. It's an artist named Darian Dean who just released a project. He's based out of New York. He's been around for a while doing his thing. Released this new album called Detours. My good friend George Littlejohn uh, heads up his label. And uh, you know what's cool about him is, like, what we don't realize here in the U.S., he gets booked, like he does like kind of adult grown soul music. He gets booked for a lot of shows in Europe and places overseas. They really appreciate that style of music, but here we don't really pay attention, unfortunately, these days. Right. So it's cool to see an artist like him, you know, doing his thing and recognize, even if it's not in his home country. And shout out to my man, no. George. He he sent me a copy of that album. I still haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. I'm getting to it, homie. I'll probably listen to it this weekend. But from all everything I've heard online and checked it out, because, you know, if you send me something, I'm probably going to do his research. And it seems like the reactions have been very, very favorable. So looking forward yeah, to cool. that. Excellent. Guys, it's time for the Play of Please Awards. Are you guys ready? No, oh, we got plenty of them. I feel like this whole episode has been one. Yeah, I think we what handed out a Play of Please <laughs> Well, I'll tell you who's not getting a Play of Please award, Miss Ashanti, who I know you guys were going to bring up eventually that she only sold like 12 tickets at a most recent concert <laughs> and it got canceled. I wasn't Ouch. going to, but I'm glad you did. And uh, 50 Cent ridiculed her for it. 50 Cent bought like tickets, like pretty much all the tickets to a Ja Rule concert just so... <laughs> 
this concert would be empty and Ja Rule perform in front of an empty crowd. We're not going to even go there with this one because Ashanti is exempt from the Player Please Award, guys. Do you guys want to know wow. why? Why? For some unknown reason that uh, I can't even fathom right now, she got nominated for a Soul Train Award. For what? This 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 year? Yeah. I'm not even sure what she's done this year aside from looking what? good on Instagram, but... It's uh it's apparently the Soul Train Centric Award. What I don't know what that? that means. Well the Centric Award Tamia is also to be... nominated for it. Who is? Uh Tamia. The Centric Award used to be when I used to keep up with this stuff, there would used to be a channel called Centric and it's kind of BT's offshoot where they play like the real R and B and not the weird stuff. But what has Ashanti... Now, if you told me she got nominated for the Thirst Trap of the Year Award, okay, I get oh. that. But, like, what song has she put? I'm serious. Like, I don't know what she's put out. Well, no. all I know is she doesn't get a Player Please Award this time around just because she got oh nominated. And, right, all real right. quick, I want to talk about this ticket situation because I don't think she deserves a Player Please Well, maybe she does. The thing with the ticket situation... I don't think if she got she sold twelve tickets because she sucked. She sold twelve tickets because she would, for whatever reason, tried to play at some college like homecoming or something. Player, you gotta know your audience. Those college kids don't know you. They were four years yeah. old when you were riding on that all baby elephant. They don't know who you are. <laughs> so you have to know your audience. We fuss about this all the time, but artists need to realize it's not two thousand four anymore. You could have packed out another show with the right promotion and the right audience. But, geez, they want to see Jeremiah and her. They don't see you. Well, they want to look at you, but they don't want to hear you. Oh, my goodness. This is true, though. Uh, Shout-out to my girl, Ashanti. Let's get into the Real Play It Please Awards. Um, guys, are you ready for some new, authentic, real, traditional R&B from the likes of our boy Wiz Khalifa? Because he's ready to oh. put one out. I remember player. I'm old enough to remember when Biggie had an album and he sang an R&B song on the album and he was half drunk singing. I remember. Oh I remember yeah. <laughs> and I, apparently, Lil C's was telling. He tells a story about how they literally just came in drunk from the club and just sang the song and it became a record on the album. And he was pissed because Puffy like changed it up. Whatever. Anyway. I remember when that was just seen as a novelty. We didn't say biggest releasing an R&B album. It was just a fun little almost pseudo skit to just have some fun. We got these dudes auto crooning and auto tuning and calling it R&B, and people will probably accept it more than they will some of the stuff that we've heard this year. That's where we become. I feel like it's. You know whose fault this is? I gotta blame two people. Well, oh, I got it. It's not really. Go ahead. Number one is uh, that guy with the face tattoos. That white dude. Dude. Oh, six nine. No, no. That guy with the long hair. He's like little pump. He has all these hits. No, no. He's not a rapper. He. he well, I guess he's not a. Rapper. I don't know. He's had like huge oh, hits this you- year. You're talking about. And you're not um, talking about six nine. 
Oh, Post Malone. Post Malone. I blame that guy. And to a lesser extent, Khalid. Oh, no. I don't blame Khalid. You know who the real... <laughs> who the real patient zero is. T-Pain. That's who I blame. Yes, I'm oh, going to get my go. No, no. Oh, no. yes, I am, player. Because they're all his evil little offspring. That's who it is. I mean... I guess if we if we trace the lineage back that far. Yes, if we trace it back, like the <laughs> dinosaurs, how birds evolved from dinosaurs and crap. Yes, he is the ugly thing from the tar pit that has destroyed it. It all goes back to T Pain. Well, if you really want to go wow. back further, what about the talk box and all that? Oh, I no, no, I have no beef with the talk box. It's the same thing with trap. I have no beef with trap. I have beef with people who misuse it. Well, Ed, do you know who has beef with you right now? Who? Daniel Bamber, our boy Daniel. He's been throwing shots oh. at you on Facebook, and he loves <laughs> pain. So I would watch it if I were you. Well, shout out to my boy, <laughs> but I hate your boy T Pain. <laughs> He knows this. This is no shock. <laughs> all right, all right. That's the um, homie. So we'll be, yeah. we'll be on the lookout for this Wiz Khalifa R&B album. Um, guys, there's also a new... The, <laughs> the next play, please, guys, goes to the Beehive. And I should be very careful as I say this. But I'm on the <laughs> other side of the, of the world right now, so I think I'm safe. Um, no, they'll they come did, get you. <laughs> So, as you guys are aware, the Carters dropped a decent album. Well, the Beehive was apparently not very satisfied with this album, so they've gone on ahead, edited each record, took out Jay-Z from each song, so that they could create a new solo Beyoncé album entitled Everything is Beyoncé. Jeez. Um, How do you have the level of... First of all, look, Clay, I'm a grown man. I love Keith Sweat. When I have the opportunity to interview him, I will clear my schedule. Tom knows this. I will clear my schedule. I will make it happen. But I do not have enough time in the world to go through an album, delete all of the Athena Cage vocals or whatever, and then have the standing album and there have my complete album. These bitter betties feel mad because of the Jay-Z cheating. Now, if Beyonce forgave the man, Y'all can forgive the man. Let it go. Stay out of that light. That's what kills me about the beehive. You can have your stand-up, but, player, you're not married to Beyonce. Chill out. She don't know you. Let her live her life. <laughs> Let them be happy. Oh, my goodness. I, I just wish I had the amount of free time that some of these people have on the Internet. Because I could be playing Red Dead Revenge. Red Dead Redemption 2, listening to D'Angelo on the soundtrack. <laughs> wow. Uh, on a side note, Tom, uh, back in the day when we used to download MP3s, um, did you ever cut out, like, skits that played at the end of songs? Like, I remember one. That's, it was, like, a, yeah. it was a Beyonce song, My First Time. This is from the uh, topic of Beyonce. It was an unreleased Beyonce song produced by the Neptunes, and for some reason it would, like, fade into a Jagged Edge record. <laughs> wow! I don't remember this song. I need to check it out. I, yeah, I used to hate when they used to put a skit on as part of a song, and especially when the skit was annoying, you'd want to fast forward every time. 
you know. <coughs> Anyways, um, last play of these guys. I mean, we've been talking about R and B this whole podcast. Let's let's go back to fast food. I mean, they call me the fast food king. That is the nickname that I uh, proclaim. I read something interesting from McDonald's. Um, you guys like the quarter pounder, don't you? Of course, it's a classic. Tom? Seems to be over there dying right now. <laughs> yeah, I think he had some of those um, sesame seeds slip down the wrong pipe. I'm back. I'm alive. Anyways. I'm fighting the cold over here. Oh, I am Damn. too. I well, feel you. I got my little water over here. Well, Tom, we're over here talking about quarter pounders. You like quarter pounders, right? I gave up on uh, meat like over four years ago. Okay, well, four years ago, you liked quarter pounders, right? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. All right. I'm craving a Burger King quarter well, pounder right now. Well, um, somebody is suing McDonald's for like $50 million because if you order a quarter pounder with or without cheese, it's the same price. And they're arguing that a quarter pounder without cheese should be cheaper. And the difference in the two sandwiches is about 20 cents. We really suing people for fifty million dollars for this now? For twenty Man. cents. Is this really what we become? And again it goes back to how much time y'all got? I don't have the energy. Like, ugh, twenty cents. I'll hook you up with twenty cents. Just to leave me alone. Tom? I mean the money grab these days. Even music. You know, I mean, you just put it out there for the streaming dollars, right? So everyone's yep. trying to hustle these days. <laughs> well, that's true. Many lawsuits have even seen flying about songs, so there's no shock there. Speaking right. of lawsuits, are you going to give Usher a player, please, award? For what? Oh, man. He's trying to keep the uh, the details of his case sealed about the herpes thing because he claims if everyone knew about it, it would be embarrassing for him. Wait, who is this? I mean, Usher? Yeah, you didn't read the headlines? I missed this one. I thought the the herpes thing ended up being false because he said he didn't have it. I guess he this just, just came out. he didn't have it. Oh, yeah, I missed this. Yeah, it came out yesterday. So he doesn't want everyone to know the real details of what's going on. So he's trying oh, to keep my. the court documents sealed or whatever. I don't know. I don't care. Oh my God! Why? It's we live in such a TMZ, clickbaity, headline-driven society. It's so depressing. Why are we discussing what goes on in Usher draws? Like why? Well, if people knew he had herpes for real, they probably wouldn't be buying his music or streaming it. Well, is that facts? I, I don't know. It's no. I think it is facts because we know that there's still a sex appeal that goes with it and. Honestly, I think that's what hurt that Here I Stand album. Usher was no longer desirable, and a lot of fans were like, eh, he's an old married man now. I don't want that no more. So you know where he messed up recently, though? He had parasites in his draws. Maybe the same thing. Let me ask you this. Do you think he recently messed up on his last album on the song I actually like? Um, What's the first song called? Need You. Yeah, so you know how he's describing what type of woman he likes? Like yeah. He's like slim waist and stuff like that. Man, he just alienated 
probably over 75% of his fan base by saying that. I'm just being honest. No, you're – oh, my gosh. I wouldn't go there, but I do get your larger point, and that's why a lot of artists are making – Larger. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What is going on? Guys? Focus. I'm trying to keep you out of trouble because what a lot of artists are doing now is they're being a little bit more inclusive in their videos <laughs> and their lyrics so they aren't segregating people like that. But, yeah, player, you can't go around in 2018 talking about you only like the skinny menace because you will be in a think piece quicker than anything. I'll never forget when, when I was at Tank shows and he used to always say, I like me a big woman. But, meanwhile, his fiance was like some skinny girl, you know. So you got to play the, the role, guys. You got you can't exclude anyone. And maybe he does like the big women, but he just fell in love with a skinny one. You just like, hey, I like vanilla ice cream, but I can't eat it every day. Can you let me speculate, man? That's my job here. <laughs> Did you, it's a terrible well, job. I try to save you. <laughs> well... He better put out a good album sooner, or 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 we're all jumping ship. Every single one of them. No. <laughs> oh, I have already jumped. I think you're still there with your um, life vest on, hoping for the best. The big giant iceberg is headed toward the Titanic. We already gone wow. on our lifeboat. Kyle is sitting <laughs> up there saying, "This time we're gonna miss it." Yep. Uh, uh, hey guys, let's get into the soul back track of the day, Tom. Uh, do you have anything for us? I know you were uh, posting this Mario Winans debut album earlier today. Yeah, let's talk about that. I posted that. I was listening to that yesterday. <clears throat> a lot of people didn't realize he had a, a debut from the 90s. A lot of people thought when he came out in the early 2000s with that I Don't Want to Know, saddest song ever, that was his <laughs> debut. But he actually had one on Motown. It didn't really do too well, but pretty solid album. Ed, did you hear it? I, if I heard that album, and we talked about this um, before the show, if I heard it, I don't remember it. I remember the single. I don't really remember the album that well. But like you said, it was one of those songs that kind of came out, got a little bit of play, album came and went. So he did have his time to shine maybe five or six years later, but I don't think I ever heard the album, so I have to go back and check it out mm. this week. Well, Tom, the actual song back track of the day is the song that I posted, which is, is uh, Turn It Up by Jonte Austin. Can you tell people about that song a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I don't really know the history of that song, but I guess that was what he was going to roll out as a solo artist. And uh, we've been waiting on his album, as you posted, for many years now. You know, one of the top writers in R&B over the past couple of decades. So where is that album, Kyle? Oh, gosh. That is a very interesting question. I think we've been waiting now 12 years for it. Love, sex, religion. Wow. And uh, it still has yet to... Play. That album is in the freezer with the Winter Soldier. I don't think we're ever going to see that thing. What the who? Oh, Tom doesn't watch movies. Never mind. You should have just said the uh, Frozen Quarter Pounders. Frozen Quarter Pounders. Watch one of the Marvel <laughs> movies. Enlighten yourself. <laughs> Guys, that appears to be it for this week's podcast. Ed, what's going on with SoInStereo.com? Claire, I just realized one thing we didn't talk about that um, we can maybe talk about this next week. So over the past month, 
um, some members and I of the Soul and Serial Cypher got together, and we came up with a really cool project, the 100 Best R&B Songs of the 90s. We pretty much do it like we do our, you know, I Got Soul, Soul and Serial, top songs of um, the year. We got together. All five of us submitted maybe our 30, I can't remember if it was 30 tracks or 40 tracks or whatever. Our favorite songs of the 90s made one giant list. And then we kind of compiled and ranked and weeded some stuff out. And what we got is what we got. So if you have not seen that, go check that out on soulandstereo.com, 100 best R&B songs of the 90s. As well, in the month of November, um, my wife has a project with her writing group called Blog Like Crazy. We do this every year where writers are encouraged to post at least one piece every day. And since I am a supportive husband because I'm cool like that, I am also as part of this. So as part of that, that means you get go to Soul and Stereo every single day and you'll get one new piece of comment, um, content. And today we've got the new album review from Vince Staples. I got a review of somebody that I'm blanking on. Oh, Currency and um, – Currency and Freddie Gibbs, that'll be up tomorrow. Got a love letters up the next day. So November, check out Soul and Stereo. Be new stuff each and every day. Going to be a busy month. So, uh, Tom, what's going on with you know I got soul.com? Quick question for Ed. Do you have any of those Whatever Happened To features coming up? Those are usually pretty good to do them. I do. I do. Stay tuned. All right. We'll look out. You know I got soul. We'll have that Keith Sweat interview out early this week. Um, that's pretty much it, just posting as much good R&B as we can find as usual. What about you, Kyle? Um, I think that's pretty much it for me. I don't really, I mean, I got to get back to Canada first. Um, I'll be back in the motherland uh, Wednesday, actually. So we'll have probably, uh, that's, that's probably when I'll actually publish this podcast. Um, so, I mean, we're recording this on a Saturday, so it might be a little dated by the time we post this. Anything can happen, as you guys know, in R&B. Uh, actually, know. nothing really ever happens anymore, but... <laughs> <laughs> yep. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll just keep it moving. Got a couple of concerts coming up. Um, actually, there is an artist that I wanted to ask you guys about. Summer Walker? Yes. No uh, idea. I don't Tom, think we... Yeah, we never talked about this artist. Zeppelin yeah, was nuts over this artist talk. For good reason. End the podcast. <laughs> oh, my God. Come on. <laughs> and chime um, in before we get out of here. Yeah, just real quick. Um, her album dropped maybe two or three weeks ago. I thought it was okay. She's definitely an artist that kind of appeals to the younger generation of fans. It's Like we were saying before, I think her music kind of suffers from that Mario on the Empire Syndrome, where it's technically okay, but it's just missing a little soulfulness for me. It's just a little oomph that's missing. So I think everybody should definitely check out the project because I have a lot. In my I know my cousin <laughs> loves it. A lot of people love it, but eh, it's all right. But there's promise there, but this project was just okay to me. You know, listen, guys, before we get out of here, I'm tired of these, like, two-minute Trap Soul records that have, like, one verse and one hook. Yes. What, is the bridge not existing anymore? That's too much work to make a bridge. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you're probably right. That's probably exactly the right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, But anyways, we'll uh, we'll talk more about Summer Walker as well as a lot of R&B 
podcasts that are coming out uh, in our next podcast episode. But until then, guys, I mean, this was a fun one, and I hope everyone enjoyed it. We'll get it published soon. I guess by the time you listen to this, it'll be published. But we're out of here. Kyle signing out. Tom and Ed, we're out. We out. Peace.